Hey there, and welcome to episode 11 of the Beneath the Sats podcast, produced by Wicked Local North Boston. I'm your host, Rob McKittrick. Joining me today is our intern, Marcos Aguilar. Marcos, how's it going, man? Bueno, bueno. Happy to be here. <laughs> so, Marcos, I, I want to talk to you a, a little bit about the Celtics. I know you're a big basketball guy, but first, I, w- I want to talk to you about how you've liked interning so far for us, and obviously the company is listening, so keep that in mind, but <laughs> how did you end up interning for our company in the first place? So, at UMass Lowell, we have this director, and she's uh, helping out all these English majors with internships, because we probably struggle getting jobs as we get out of college. Um, but we put into that program and then she helps us find internships and she knew Nell and then we went from there. You've done it now for a few months. Is that right? Yeah, a few months. We started in January and going to be finishing up on May 3rd. And how have you enjoyed your experience working at the company? I've liked it. The best part is probably the people. Uh, the different. I got to work with different editors each week and all of you guys are all different. All you guys have like different personalities. Um, you guys have had me work on different stories. So overall, it's been pretty cool. Do you have one specific takeaway from your experience? Are there certain things that have surprised you about the journalism industry that you wouldn't have known before the internship? Um, or are there certain things that you've learned from certain editors, whether it's a certain writing style, whether it's certain questions to ask in an interview, any tips you've learned from the different editors over the time here that you'll take with you in the future? Uh, one thing I probably learned from Dan was just to not take things personally. Sometimes people don't want to talk to you or get mad at you. But they're just mad at like whatever you're covering. They're not mad at you, um, especially like at a young age. And you kind of, again, sometimes take it personal, but that's just part of the job. And you just have to like, I guess, stay positive. You know, it's, it's whatever. No, it's a good piece of advice. And, you know, I'm relatively new to the journalism field. I've been doing this for maybe five, six months now, full time. I was doing some freelance before, but I do think it's good advice because whether it's public scrutiny, even if you're in a small town, whether on social media, on Facebook, on Twitter, you're going to have people, whether it's a town manager or the, the person running the town that may not like something you write because it, it is negative to the town itself. And I think it is important to deal with that and be able to be comfortable talking about that with someone you're going to cover on a day-to-day basis. So I, I do think that it is good advice. You need a thick skin to be in the industry. How does it feel to be wrapping up your time here? It's kind of bittersweet just because like, I don't know, I enjoy my daily conversation with Tim. Tim's a really funny guy. Um, and he actually gave me like a funny story on the first week. When we went there, we covered a, a story in um, in Wenham or something like that, and uh, we had a cool caller conversation so talking about like you know how far a journalist goes and what Tim wants to do in the future. And I don't know, I kind of wish I could work there, obviously, but like you know, I'm an intern, so. Are you graduating in May? Is is that right? No, no, no. I got one. I got one semester left, so let's try to find a. I'll continue my internship career, hopefully in the fall somewhere. Oh, okay. So you have one more semester at UMass Lowell in the fall? I do, I do. Knock on wood, knock on wood, as long as nothing. <laughs> and how does it feel to be wrapping up college? Uh, I don't know. It's crazy because I'm a first generation. My family's from El Salvador, so uh, I didn't even think I'd barely graduate high school, you know. So now I'm going, you know, one semester left in college, and it's just, I don't know, it's crazy. You're grateful and everything and kind of just positive. You you see the light at the end of the tunnel <laughs> in college. You see the light. Your family's from El Salvador. Did they move here? Did your parents move here? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, um, my parents are from like the same type of village. They have like a kind of funny romantic story. They like knew families of each other, but they didn't know each other. And then they met up in Texas. They linked up and said, I know you. I know you. <laughs> so do you speak multiple languages? I do, I do. I'm fluent in Espanol, and I'm trying to learn Portuguese. Oh, wow. Because my girlfriend is Portuguese, so I want to talk to like her family and stuff, you know? 
Have you visited other countries abroad? I have. I have. I've been to, I went to El Salvador a couple times. Um, the first time I went to El Salvador was when I was five. And they kind of made fun of me because they called me like, like the American guy. My accent wasn't that good. <laughs> and, I, and now I speak pretty fluent Spanish and it sounds like from El Salvador. But when I was a five-year-old, I sounded, it was broken and stuff. And the kids, they're cruel, man. Little kids are cruel. <laughs> I bet. All right. Well, I wanted to transition here to the Celtics. Get that out of the way. Always good to have the intern in for a podcast. I think you have to do it. But I know you're a big basketball guy. The Celtics recently swept the Pacers in the first round. It was really never a doubt. They've looked better of late. They won four in a row. I think they ended the season on a good stretch. They may have won 10 out of 12th in the year. I'm not sure if that's accurate, but something like that, including the playoffs. Before going into the playoffs, how did you like this team? Because there was a lot of inconsistencies. There was a lot of frustration over the, the chemistry issues and the lack of consistent play. How did you like the team going into the playoffs, and what did you see in the first round against the Pacers? So going into the playoffs, I actually have like high hopes. You saw the piece I, I writ, I written about them, and it's just kind of instead of seeing what they can do, I don't expect much from the field in the Eastern Conference. Like what, what do the Bucks show us? I understand they just swept the Pistons, but and the same with the Raptors. They've they've never been in the finals, and this Celtics core without even Hayward or Kyrie Irving last year made it to Game Seven of the Eastern Conference Finals. So you know, positive outlook, but maybe that's the as the local radio stations say, the homer in me. But I got I got I got high hopes for this team. And did you see anything in the first round against the Pacers that would make you more optimistic about how this team will do in the playoffs? Oh, absolutely. I believe it was the ending either of game two or game three, where it wasn't just give the ball to Kyrie. It was the whole core coming together. And I remember Tatum, excuse me, Jalen Brown drove in and he didn't take that layup, and he passed it out to Tatum, who didn't take the hand in the face three. He drove and found an open Gordon Hayward under the basket. And it's just going from a good shot to a great shot. And, it's, you know, you just want to see how far this team can go. It's interesting, and I'm with you in that before going into the playoffs, how I thought about this team was they deserve to go out in the second round based on their inconsistent play. I didn't feel that optimistic, but I also wouldn't be surprised if they get to the finals just because their skill and their talent is so high. And if they could get it together consistently, they've shown it at spurts in the regular season. If they get it to- together mm-hmm. consistently in the playoffs, there's no reason they shouldn't get to the finals. People before the season thought they would get to the finals easily because of their inconsistent play and because of the better play in the East from even teams like the Sixers, even though Celtics have the Sixers number, but guys like Jimmy Butler went to the Sixers, the Bucks were better, the Raptors got Kawhi Leonard. So the East was a little rejuvenated, and I think the combination of that plus the Celtics' inconsistent play, the expectations were really low for the playoffs. I mean, the city of Boston has been a lot more behind the Bruins and more excited about the Bruins than the Celtics, which tells you a lot about the fans' frustration with the Celtics this season, and I wasn't that optimistic. But... Although the Pacers stink and their offense is absolutely terrible and they can't score and it was it was going to be a sweep before the playoffs even started. It was going to be a sweep. I, there was no doubt. I, the Pacers without Oladipo, they just couldn't score. But even with that said, there's a part of me that feels like you and is optimistic about this team, but even more so than the playoffs began. I see these four straight games and these four straight wins. And yes, the Celtics had some spurts in the regular season when they did play well at times. But it does seem like in, to end the year... And then in the playoffs, they're playing more consistent. And all the although the Pacers were bad, people criticized this team for playing poorly against bad teams and not playing together. And you mentioned the chemistry in making the extra pass, like you talked about at the end of the game. And I think that's a key for this team. So I'm not totally bought in, but I do feel your optimism in that it does seem like they're playing better and they're solely coming together at the right time. 
Yeah, you haven't purchased a ticket yet, but you're thinking about it. You're thinking about buying that <laughs> ticket. So we got the Bucks and the Celtics. It's going to be a great series. What do you expect in this series coming up? As you mentioned, you had wrote a piece about a Celtics playoff preview, which was a great piece. But what do you expect about this team? Giannis is a tough cover, obviously. It does seem like the Celtics may have more depth, but they have Giannis. So what, how do you see this series playing out? It seems like it's going to go deep regardless of who wins. Yeah, like you just said, those two, and the second one being the really big word, Giannis Antetokounmpo. This man, like I was just watching inside the NBA a clip, and Shaq and Chuck were talking about it. If this man gets a jump shot, they have to change the rules. Giannis can literally take over a game from at any point he wants. But the crazy thing will be, at the end of the game, who do you trust more? Who do you trust to take that shot? Because sometimes you can't just dunk over the team to, you know, that game winner or that or that shot you need to tie the game. I know I feel I have more trust in Kyrie Irving, a man who hit a three-point dagger over Curry in a game seven over Giannis. But then again, like I said, my fear is that man, the Greek freak. This man is he's just a physical freak. He does whatever he wants on the court. And so overall I expect a big a game seven series and you know last two minutes, hopefully Kyrie can pull it through. I do think Kyrie is the difference because I think this team is good enough that there really shouldn't be any blowout games. And when you talk about a difference maker and why teams make it far in the playoffs and win it all, people talk about all the time in the NBA, but you need the superstar. And that's really the reason why. And I, I agree with you. I, I, there's no one I want the ball as, as frustrated as I am with has been with Kyrie Irving all season long. He's an unbelievable basketball player. He's probably one of the best finishers of all time. And at the end of games, he's money. So I'll take Kyrie at the end, the end of the game's any day it will be an interesting series I think regardless of how the Celtics do against the Bucks or even if they play against the Raptors it is hard to say they've underachieved because the Bucks and the Raptors although you may not give them a lot of credit they're good basketball teams so even if this even if the Celtics play well there is a scenario where they could lose to either the Bucks or the Raptors no totally totally people have I have the Raptors going to the NBA finals with uh, being led by Kawhi but I wouldn't be and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Giannis leaves them there. They're two teams. At, at the end of the day, people talk about how weak the Eastern Conference is, but you could put a debate that the top four teams of the Eastern Conference are just as good, if not better, than the the powerhouse from the West. Because obviously you have Golden State, but after that, you know you could say, oh, Houston, uh, Portland's making some noise, but Milwaukee, Toronto, Boston. And even Philly, I know we have their number, but even Philly, you know, they can make some noise with Embiid in six or so. It'll be interesting. Yeah, and I think the last year when LeBron left and the East got reloaded with Jimmy Butler and Kawhi Leonard and the Bucks got better with Giannis playing at an elite level, it really changed because in the last few years, I mean, obviously the West was much superior to the East. And I think that's a big difference of why it's harder to get to the finals now, even though the Celtics are better or should be better than they were last year, even though they haven't played better. But it will be interesting to see. There should be a lot of good matchups. Marcos, any final thoughts here? Love to have you on the podcast. You're going to be heading out in a week or two. Any final thoughts on whether it's the Celtics, whether it's anything in Boston sports, or your time here as an intern at our company? Let's go with the intern first. I'm I'm going to miss it. I enjoyed. Uh, I don't know. I enjoyed writing stories, uh, even though sometimes people don't want to talk to you, even if you're trying to put them in in, in good light. They don't want to talk to the intern. I'll like help, you know, throw me a bone here, people. <laughs> but uh, overall, that's been an awesome experience. The Celtics, you know, we hope they pull it through, but I expect a great series. Um, as long as they play good basketball, I'll be happy with the result. And then 
Overall, Boston sports, let's see what the Bruins can do tonight. At the recording of this podcast, we got game seven tonight. So hopefully the bees, hopefully the bees can pull it through. Marcos, thanks so much for coming on, man. I appreciate it. It was great talking to you, and it's been great meeting you and interacting with you in the office. All right, thanks, Rob. It's been awesome. Thanks again to Marcos for joining me yesterday. As I mentioned, we recorded on a Tuesday, the day of the Bruins game seven against Toronto, and I'm recording it on Wednesday, and the Bruins were able to defeat the Toronto Maple Leafs handedly last night and move on to another round. And for Boston, it just keeps looking better. It's great to be us, and people can joke about it, but it's true. It's unbelievable. The Red Sox won the World Series. The Patriots won the Super Bowl. We knew both teams had a chance to make a run. And it's only looking better for both teams. And starting with the Bruins, they're now the best best seed left in the playoffs, so they'll have home ice the rest of the way. So it's going to have to go through Boston. And I'm not a hockey expert, but it's tough to play in Boston, whatever sport. And it showed in Game 7 that this place seemed electric last night. And the Bruins came ready to play from the get-go. And just another win for Boston. I want to transition to the Celtics. And I talked about it with Marcos. Going into the playoffs, I needed to see how they played against top competition. I didn't think the Pacers were very good. I figured they would sweep them, and they did. And it's hard to take a lot from that series. But as I just talked about it with Marcos, I think there is reason for optimism. And I think when you look back before the season began and the expectations for this team. I think, in one, they were unfair for a few reasons. I think, number one, to expect the same level of play from the young guys who overachieved last year, it was expecting a lot. By definition, overachievement means they play beyond your expectations. So to expect them to play at that level again, yes, they showed they could do it, but we're expecting a lot. That's number one. Number two, we expected Gordon Hayward to come back and play like his old self. I did. I think most of Boston did. And we were shocked when he didn't, for whatever reason. And I think, as we've seen over the season, Hayward's improved slowly. But to expect his team to be at that elite level like we expected before the season, I think is unfair. I think it was, it was unfair expectations of us of Gordon. We expected him to come back faster than he did. And as he said, he's still going through rehab. But... When I look at this team in their their series against the Pacers, I do take something positive from that series. I think when you look at the group, and you look at Hayward now, and you look at the young guys, and you look at this team minus Marcus Smart, they're playing a lot better basketball. I told Marcus I thought they had won 10 out of 12. I just checked. They've won 11 of the last 13 games. Yes, they've gone on stretches in this regular season where they've played well, and then they went back down to playing inconsistent basketball. But 11 out of 13 is a longer stretch than usual than they had in the regular season. They may have had one other time when they went on that kind of stretch. But they're playing their best basketball right now at the right time. They're moving the ball better. It doesn't mean that they're not going ISO one-on-one, they're not taking turns, because they still are at times. It's more one-on-one than I would like. Tatum will go one-on-one, Morris will go one-on-one, Rozier will go one-on-one. Kyrie will go one-on-one, but the ball, the ball movement is better, which is so crucial for this team. They're going to get one-on-one buckets because they're very talented, and they're going to take advantage of those matchups, but the ball needs to move, and it's moved better against the Pacers, and I think Brad is finally having his influence on this team. 
I think it's taken longer than people would have liked with Brad's influence on this team. But I think Brad got these guys going for the playoffs. So I think he's one guy that deserves a lot of credit for the Celt how the Celtics have played to end the stretch. I think Kyrie Irving and Al Horford is a combination that was not utilized as much as it should have been in the regular season. And I think it's being utilized a lot more in the playoffs. And not only that, but Al Horford's just taken a lot more shots. I think he had at least 18 shots and he didn't shoot well. But my thing with Al, as my thing always was with Kevin Garnett, is when he takes more shots, they're a better team. And especially with Kyrie Irving and Al Horford down the stretch and that pick and roll play, or pick and pop, going one of the two at the end of games, that's money for them. And the fact that they're focused on that, to me, is a very good sign. For this team to be successful, it needs to go through Kyrie Irving and Al Horford. Guys like Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, Jason Tatum can be good secondary options down the stretch. But at end of games, and when they need a bucket most, it's got to be Kyrie and Al. That's the key to this team, I think, is going through those two guys most of the game and using the others as secondary options for when guys double. Now, when I look at the team, and I think, what can I take away from the four-game sweep? Because, again, the Pacers are terrible. I said it for with Marcos. Without Oladipo, that was one of the worst teams I've seen in terms of offense. The inability for them to score. It, the fact that Bogdanovich is their best scorer is sad. So the Pacers had nothing. But I think as a whole, as I said, the team's come together better. They're moving the ball better. It seems like guys have a little bit more defined roles, although there still is the one-on-one play. You're just going to have to accept that, at least I am. But I think the biggest thing, and be, again, in addition to the Kyrie and Al being assertive at end of games, when I look at Gordon Hayward, Gordon Hayward is not back to his old self. People say he is, he's not. He's still not consistently explosive enough. However, in that series, really for the first time, especially one of his dunks that they didn't even call didn't even include as a bucket because they called a foul. To me, that was his most explosive play of the whole season, which is a really good sign. And he's playing more consistent. They don't need Gordon Hayward to be at the elite level that they thought he would be because they have other players to score. But they need him to be a consistent scorer, along with Tatum and Brown. And he has been. And so if Tatum and Brown are playing well and Hayward's almost back to his old self he's not back to his old self but he almost is and he's playing more like it there's no reason why this team can't get to the finals and if I'm making a prediction I'm I think right now my gut's telling me they're getting to the finals and I don't want to overreact to the series against the Pacers but from what I've seen when you include the stretch they've been on in terms of 11 of 13 when it seems like the chemistry is a little bit better when it seems like Kyrie and Al have that chemistry down the stretch, when you see guys like Hayward and Tatum and Brown scoring consistently, and you get rid of a guy like Marcus Smart, and I want to end the podcast by discussing the influence of that. Obviously, Marcus Smart in and of itself, he is a great positive to this team. I'm a big Marcus Smart guy. Obviously, his offense is inconsistent at times. He shot a lot better this season. But what he does on the defensive end, what he does to make winning plays, it's unbelievable. You can't deny that he affects winning. And for Marcus Smart, it's cliche, but he makes all the little plays. And it's absolutely true when people say that. However, I said from the very beginning when this team was struggling, they had too many talented players. But they had too many guys that were talented but not talented enough to make a difference. And I said it before, 
It's just econ, diminishing marginal return. And when you have too many pieces, too many things to coexist, whether it's in a kitchen, for example, and you have too many people in the kitchen, and therefore, even if you have a lot of great chefs, it might decrease productivity and it might not get better because you have too many moving parts. And if you think about in basketball, you only have five players on the court. Even if you have 10 great players, if they don't mesh well together, it doesn't matter. It's the best five pieces you can put together on a court. And so just because Marcus Smart is a great talent, it doesn't mean that if they already have eight or nine guys playing well, that adding him to the mix is going to create a better team. And I said this from the very beginning, and people are now talking about it now, in that when you take out anyone, they're a better team. Because there are, there are fewer guys to play. You can have longer shifts. You can be on the court for a longer time. Guys like Hayward and Brown get bigger opportunity and get more minutes. And when guys have more minutes and they know that they're not going to come out maybe you know, after four or five minutes because Marcus needs to come in and Rozier needs to come in and they have too many guys, you're not going to press as much because the shots will come if they play more minutes. I mean, that's the key with his team is when you subtract someone, that means guys are playing longer minutes and there's a tighter shift and it's easier for Brad to organize and know who's playing well. And when you have too many guys, it's hard on the coach, it's hard on the players, it's hard to get to, into a rhythm. And I think what you're seeing with this team is guys are in rhythm right now, which is great to see. So as I wrap up this podcast, Bruins won last night. The Celtics are looking great. One of these teams probably should get to the finals, if not both of these teams. I'm all in on the Bruins. I'm all in on the Celtics. It's great to be us. It's great to be from Boston. And everyone else who's not from this city must hate us. It's just great to be us right now. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to check out my other episodes on the Wicked Local North of Boston website or on my social media accounts. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Robbie McKittrick for the latest podcast information. Thanks so much for listening.